the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Season Watch with Wendy Scott, where we observe the things coming on the earth through biblical binoculars, because the Bible is both timely and timeless. With her master's degree in rhetoric and writing skills, Wendy is a part-time college professor, but a full-time truth professor. She believes the Word of God is His perfect revelation, including a young earth six-day creation, as well as the global flood inundation, and that Israel is God's chosen nation. Faith alone in Jesus is salvation, the true church rapture comes pre-tribulation, followed by Christ's millennial domination and his eternal kingdom with earth's regeneration. Jesus is coming without hesitation. And now, here's Wendy with today's topic. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me again with Season Watch. And of course, we want to start in prayer. Lord, we pray that you lead us in your paths of righteousness for your namesake, that you bring us into your secret pavilion, Lord, that we draw close to you, that whatever's going on around us, that we trust in you, that we bring every thought captive to you, Lord, that you can speak to our hearts and guide us into the work you have for us. And we turn over all our concerns, all our fears, all of our, all of our worries. God, we turn them all over to you. We give you all our hopes and our future to you. We pray that you lift those who are discouraged and you fill our hearts with joy as we keep our eyes on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, I would like to remind you to watch Pastor Andrew Brunson's series on spiritual battle and um, facing uh, spiritual battle and not being spiritually prepared when he had to face his two years in Turkish prison for his faith. And so his series is called Prepare to Stand, and you could find it at epc.org slash prepare to stand. And so it's very encouraging, and it talks about ways to prepare to stand against a day of adversity or against um, challenges we're not expecting for our faith. And so, you know, America is woefully ignorant of the tremendous pressure on Christians around the world. These Satan-controlled nations and principalities are emboldened because America is no longer the world's gatekeeper of freedom pressuring them to respect human rights. We don't seem to care anymore, right? So we've traded freedom for profit. For example, in China, they print most of the English Bibles now on the market, and we buy them. We buy them, yet Christians in China can't have them. Can't you believe that? And so uh, so they get uh, <laughs> they take our money for these things, right, because we give them lots of money, and they use it to actually track and restrict and persecute and jail, torture, and slave and re-educate, organ harvest, and kill other Christians and prisoners of conscience, everybody. Uh, And we're giving them all this money, all off American money, which pays for the CCP's expansive surveillance control matrix. We're making them rich, and they are oppressing others. So how would you like to be a Christian in China? Yet in spite of these horrifying threats, it's one of the fastest-growing churches in the world, as the demand for Bibles is endless and Christians must sneak them across the border to meet their needs. And so would you risk your life to read a Bible? I don't know. I don't know if we're ready for that. 
Nigeria is noted for a country where the highest percentage of Christians are martyred every year at a time when Christians remain the most widely and severely persecuted group in the world, other than just women and children in general. So how would we uh, fare as Christians in Nigeria, where any day your house or village or school or church could be surrounded by roving bands who attack and kill Christians for refusing to deny Jesus and confess Islam? And then there's Iran. America has given and offered billions of dollars to Iran in order to create a facade nuclear arms treaty. The last pallet load of billions of dollars sent to Iran from President 44 was used to export terror, build an arsenal against Israel, and to oppress its own people, right? That's terrible. Now they've been ex- executing dissenters to squelch the rebellion that was going on. But Muslims are coming to faith in record numbers and risking their lives to follow Isa in a land where conversion is a death penalty offense, right? India is fast becoming the international employee of America's largest companies, taking over phone centers, logistics, technology sectors, and things that cost too much to hire Americans for. And so while they prosper from American money and expand in all of their, all of their work um, and, and all of their industries, they have cracked down on religious liberty lately, more severely than in the decades past. And in several states, government agents and proxies persecute Indian Christians in violent attacks that are only growing. And America's fine with that, so long as we save money, right? So there's many stories of America's international relationships that give power and money to nations who use that money to oppress uh, human rights and to persecute Christians. And we used to export the good news and freedom in Jesus' name, and now we make money for monsters and say, well, that's fine. We're not worried about that, right? And we used to take a stand against human rights abusers and call for the stop of religious persecution. Christians in other lands hoped for our help. But Christian persecution is now growing everywhere. So we silently avert our eyes and leave victims of oppression to suffer and die. Or worse, we actually enjoy the fruits of their enslavement as big corporations profit off of goods. So, for example, the cotton industry in northern China is cheap because these Uyghur slaves in concentration camps, right? And then the cobalt and other precious metals that need to be mined for green energy and electric cars and batteries are mined by child slaves throughout Africa and other developing nations. And then, of course, there's transplant tourism. Have you heard of this? It's a thing because you can go and order you can order whatever organ you need from the Chinese prisoners of conscience and then pay, plan a lovely trip to China to go replace your trash liver or heart or lung or whatever uh, doesn't work anymore. And so that's a big industry in China. You can just uh, even look up a menu of organs that are available and what they will cost. That, that shouldn't be a thing. And then if you want to rape a child, I'm sorry, but any number of countries in Asia and other countries are happy to provide that service from their never-ending supply. And now it's even easier because human trafficking is supported by American agencies determined to keep the border open. And so cartels run thousands of children for rape into the waiting arms of the American elite. Thousands of children go missing every year from CPS's foster program as well. That's been testified to in Congress, but no one will give an account for them. And this is not in dispute. But um, we don't talk about these horrific stories. And so America is ignorant and soft. We don't understand that brutality, enslavement, and cruelty terrorize those whom the world has forgotten or ignore. 
And so just as Jesus warned us, it is like the days of Noah. Spiritual wickedness is engulfing the world in a horrifying darkness. And the imagination of man's heart is evil continually. And wickedness is winning because truth has fallen in the street. We refuse to pull back the lovely backdrop that screens our naive eyes from what is literally happening all around us, although these wicked policies are there for anyone to see. And as we've been saying, American Christians will not be prepared for the crucible coming our way. Because wicked lawlessness abounds, America will grow cold and turn against us in a flash. It's already starting. And so today, friends, fasten your truth belts as we talk about preparing for battle. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And I talked with a woman recently who has a ministry in a dangerous, war-torn nation. She described a recent incident she experienced, and she would not permit me to divulge the location of her ministry, but this nation has descended into a brutal civil war where roving bands of soldiers jacked up on drugs and raid villages and brutally mutilate, rape, torture, and slaughter every man, woman, and child. What a terrible place to be. And many of that country's people have accepted the Lord, which is a major factor in this brutality of their treatment. But the worse the brutality gets— the more these hunted people come to faith in Jesus, right? Because he's the only one that offers promise. And so this brave woman's ministry is in this brutal land. And she and other Christian women take Bibles, food, and medical supplies to isolated villages, cowering and alert day and night against these terrorizing roving bands. And recently, uh, one of the women in her group got a message that a particular village had been taken into the territory of these roving raids, and it was cut off from supplies. And there had been many brutalized and killed in the area, and no one could get through to help them. In fact, other women carrying out the same ministry whom she knew had just been caught and brutally slaughtered trying to get supplies to them. That's, That's frightening. So my friend and her group of women took Bibles, food, medical supplies, and such, and set out into this dangerous territory to help the desperate villagers. And she described the treacherous, narrow mountain road soaked with rain that they had to climb in their truck to get there, praying continually, as you can imagine. And on the way, they saw a large band of these murder soldiers walking straight toward them down the road. And these women stopped the truck not knowing what to do. Each one prayed desperately. And my friend said that she had decided when they got close, she would jump out of the truck and run away, forcing them to shoot her rather than suffer their brutality. Can you imagine having to go through that process. Oh, this is my plan. I'll just get shot. And then a remarkable thing happened. On that narrow high mountain road, these soldiers passed by silently on either side of the truck without looking at any of the women. She described how they had to walk so close to the truck on the narrow road that the gun barrel of one soldier scraped on the truck and still none of them looked at the women inside. And then they were gone. In utter disbelief, they praised Jesus and kept going on their mission to help the villagers. Later, my friend was telling another worker what happened, and that woman said, I was praying for you, and the Lord showed me a group of soldiers walking around a large rock in the road. I believe that is what they saw, just a boulder fallen off the mountain sitting in the road. And my friend told me that she believes it. Somehow God hid them from their eyes. She said that is exactly how they behaved, like they were walking around a big rock, not a truck full of women. So friends, this is walking in a faith and a power, not of this world. Can you imagine walking this way, walking this life? 
It is a faith that carries us above this world. That's the kind of faith it takes, right? And so how do we walk like this on the stones of fire? First, we must decide in our hearts, as Job thirteen fifteen says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Can we decide that today? And then we must train to enter in the secret place of the Most High. David knew a lot about facing fear, and there's perhaps no better place than the Psalms to find the encouragement we need to persevere through the fear in many circumstances and to bring ourselves into God's presence. So, for example, Psalm 61 says, Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter to me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. What a promise. You see, it's about rising above. Psalm 27, 5. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. You see, that's rising above the circumstances of the earth. In a personal relationship with the Lord, he hides us. And here's some verses in Psalm 91, beginning at verse 1. And he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, for the arrow that flies by day, for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. Can we say that yet? Because you have made the Lord your refuge, even the Most High, your habitation. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. What a set of promises. These are the things we need in our heart. And so we have talked about preparing for battle so that we can hold our ground and not to turn and run or to freeze in the battlefield. And we must go through this process now so we're ready. And so we already talked about how we need to tell God, yes, I'm all in. No turning back. Just dedicate your heart to him and seek God for your assignment and direction. Find out what he has for you and tell him I will, I will accept it. And then ask him to help you make a training plan for every day, right? To worship and praise him and to pray effectively and to study the word. You, you need to find a way every day to draw close to him, preferably early before you set out on the day and can get hit and bombarded by attacks, get dragged down by the things of this world. Figure out, say, God, help me. I don't know. I'm so busy. How am I going to do this? And he will make a way. He will show you. He will give you a plan that will work for the life he's led for you. And then tell your closest friends and family that you're stepping it up and invite them to pray for you and support you. And by the way, you'll probably inspire them to do the same. And so we also talked about what to train for. And a good place to start is, one, plan for your weaknesses, right? Know yourself and the vulnerabilities of your mind. You should go through them, right? So what are you afraid of? Think about, oh, if my kids or if this or if that. If you, can, if you find something where you go, oh, my gosh, that would take me out. You have to figure out how to change your thinking about that, how to settle it in your heart so that the enemy has no 
uh, leverage against you, right? So you look at things like this. What makes you afraid? What could offend you? What will you do if you are offended? If you're offended by the church or a friend or something that surprises you, some injustice, are you just going to let it, you know, boil your 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 soul? Or are you going to find a way to ninja out of it and to turn it over to the Lord? You have to plan for that now because in that day, you won't be able to do it. We can't. Right? How can Satan shame you? Think about how be on alert. If something happens and you blow it, you make a mistake, sometimes we just fall down right there where we are and we can't move forward. <laughs> I remember that movie. I like movies, right? And I remember that movie, The Edge, right, with Anthony Hopkins, and they go and they, they, they crash in the wilderness and they have to survive this terrible bear. And he has this profound uh, quote where he says, hey, why do people die lost in the wilderness? And he said, they die for shame because they can't move forward. They can't get over the regret of something that happened. Well, we have to do it. Well, God restores us, right? We have to learn how he restores us. He doesn't want us to sit in our shame. We have to dig our way out of it, right? And so what easily discourages you? Boy, people deal with difficulties, right? We all do. Pain, right? Maybe constant pain. I know people have chronic pain. I don't know how they do their ministry, and yet God rises them above it, helps them change their thinking and to move forward. Or constant stress, constant pressure, um, maybe just anything that could take us out. Oh, I don't see what, what I thought was going to happen, right? So we get discouraged. It's not what we expected. Help, Let God help us through. Find it in his word to move forward and change our thinking. Then what makes us doubt ourselves or God's faithfulness or his call on our life, his work, the presence, his love? What help, What causes us to doubt? When we see that, we have to sniff it out. We have to recognize it. Put on an alert and go, da, 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 I know what this is. And then go into attack mode and to put it in its proper perspective so you can go forward. And so there's lots of ways that we could get distracted from our mission mindset. But for a mature Christian, these areas can bring a deep wound that knock us to the sideline. And the way we train for one we can train for all, right? It's a similar, it's similar training and we're ready for it. And so one example that we've already been discussing is fear, right? Something happens when we become afraid or afraid of what's going to come. And then a, com- a chemical floods our brain and it stops us from functioning with clarity. Have you noticed that? This is probably adrenaline and some other chemicals that uh, respond for a fight or flight uh, response, right? And when our mind latches onto that fear, it tumbles it over and over in our thoughts, right? And we can't get away from it. It consumes our whole being. We can't sleep at night. We can't concentrate. It makes us feel sick. We feel weak, right? We can't get past it. So fear is is terrible. I think about the terrible fear that grips the our our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. How do they manage it and still stand for the Lord? Well, it's it's the Lord. He shows us how. We just have to let him. And we can't make clear decisions when we're afraid. We essentially can't move forward. We give up, right? And we can't do that. We can't let the enemy take us out with fear. We have to change our thinking. And I call this my hamster wheel of dread and worry. Have you ever been on the hamster wheel? And I become like a zombie tumbling the thoughts over and over in my mind. I don't know if you do that. I think we all do. But I get nowhere and I become more and more frantic. It's irrational, right? So here's a tip, friends, uh, just to keep in mind. Satan cannot read your mind, all right? But he knows you pretty well. And by the way, when I say Satan, I don't mean Satan because he's not omnipresent. I just mean Satan to represent him and his demons. And so uh, the one thing that you might want to trade for is to hide your worry or whatever it is. So he doesn't know that he hit a a nerve until you display it. So something to think about. 
Um, James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Wow, that's a great promise. There's so many promises like that. They're like little formulas where if we hang on to them and trust the Lord, then he will help us change our thinking, right? And so Satan will flee from us, and he, just as he did with Jesus in the wilderness, um, and then he looks for a more opportune time, but if we keep training, then we don't make it easy for him, right? And so our training helps us to recognize the threat and to kick into whatever it is that we practice by muscle memory. <laughs> I went through this CERT training program some time ago, if you've ever heard of it, and it's taught by the fire department, and it trains people for emergencies in the community. And one time they had us practice using a fire extinguisher on a just a little gas-controlled fire. It was like a little grill or something that they would light up. It was uh, a little thing that turned on and off. And so, honestly, it was almost silly. And they said, we know, it seems simple. You pull the pin, you aim at the base of the fire, you sweep back and forth. But you have to understand that once the adrenaline kicks in, flooding your brain, you will not be able to think. So you just have to train to react, right, by muscle memory. And I have to admit, he was right. And just the little excitement of, of it being my turn to try it caused me to get all excited and flushed with a little adrenaline. And I fumbled through it, and it was just a, a simple little exercise, and so I believe it. And it taught me a principle. You have to train your brain so it can't mess up, right? Train your brain. And so how do we guard from the wound of fear? Well, first of all, we study the Word of God to defend our mind against fear, Right? So we have to know his promises to never leave you or forsake you. Get those promises in your heart, right? Trust them. Memorize verses and hide them like quivers, uh, arrows in a quiver that you can use to shoot down every high and lofty thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, right? So get those little arrows in your quiver and get ready. They're so specific, and they will help you in the day of adversity, right? And then know God's character. He will bring you through, and he will turn all things to good. He's trustworthy. He loves you. That's why reading his word helps us to know him so that when our feelings lie to us, we go, nope, and we could bring up the word of God and encourage ourselves in it, right? And then ingrain in your heart the words of Jesus, that though you suffer for his sake, you will receive a great reward. And then change your thinking and free your mind from the threat and focus on the glory of God. Somehow you have to switch it around. Paul said to focus on the promises and divert our thoughts. This we see in Philippians 4, 8 through 9 that says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure or lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there's any virtue or any praise, think on these things, right? That's how we renew our minds. That's how we change our mindset, get them off of the thing that's, 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 that's caught up in our minds, in our hearts, and turn to them. And he says, And the peace of God shall be with you. What a promise. And then enter into his secret pavilion, as we've been talking about, the secret place of the Most High. He's there with you. He will bring you through it. He's trustworthy, right? And then we, we enter into the secret place of the Most High through praise and worship. Find songs that are deep in doctrine and bring you into God's presence in spite of the trials. Create a song list especially inspiring for you. Then play these songs or play one over and over and praise him and enter into his presence. As Psalm 100 says that we enter into his presence with thanksgiving on our lips. And I believe this is a principle. We can leave behind ourselves and come near to him when we praise him in our circumstances. We lift our heart uh, from us to glorifying him through singing songs and trusting in him no matter what. 
And then think of the battles of God that God sent to the worship. And when he would send the worship team out to the battle, right? Remember in Second Chronicles, he said, this is not your battle. This battle is the Lord's. And then the king actually, Jehoshaphat actually believed him and sent out the singers first and the armies were defeated. How fun. Okay, we're going to battle kind of. And so you guys go out first. And that's the power of worship and trusting him. We shift our mind from us to him. And it breaks the fear off and the strongholds of our mind. And he fills us with the spirit of his presence and his glory. Just as Ephesians 5, 18 says, be filled with the spirit, speaking one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. And then, of course, pray without ceasing. Practice entering into his presence. Seek his face. Draw close to the Lord with an attitude of faith. And through worship, uh, enter his presence and pour out your heart to him. Devote yourself to trust in his plan, although you don't even always understand it. And then Paul encouraged in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's a promise. And the Bible's full of promises. We should confess our fear and ask for comfort and wisdom. Tell God that you trust him and decide that whatever it is, that you will go through it, that this is his problem and not yours. And there will be fruit. You will have victory. And if you find a way to shift the focus from yourself and your circumstances to him and continue in the work. And so we must hold fast. We must stand in his promise and trust his love. And we must know our mission and we must recognize a wound when we get it so we can get to work on it, let our training kick in, manage it and dress it so we can move forward. And so that's how we protect against any wounds of fear and shame, discouragement, doubt and offense. We can manage it through him because of his great promises. And so friends, until next time, I hope you explore this and I hope you give your heart to him. God bless you all. Join Wendy Scott every Saturday at 3 p.m. on K-Praise for another episode of Season Watch. Previous episodes can be found through the K-Praise podcast platform, where you can also access Wendy's other platforms and contact links. Please email Wendy with show comments, questions, or suggestions at wscott at mywordsforhim.com or visit her website at mywordsforhim.com for additional resources. Watch other teachings on her Rumble channel. Wendy's Words for Him, her fiction novel, The Lost, A Story of Christmas, can be found on Amazon. Until next week, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.